Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West. Adam Stanko, just two plugged in dudes talking a little bit of hoops and a little bit of life. We'll talk Sierra Canyon hoops going back to the Marvin Bagley days, which really is only two, three years ago. And we'll reject the screen as well, of course. But let's start with not only what we're pumped about, but what the NBA is hanging its hat on pre-Christmas. And Adam, that's Thursday night. Mm. So the the Luka deal is devastating. The ankle injury, not only devastating for the Mavericks, but devastating for national television. This week, Adam, they're on NBA TV on Monday. As we record this on Monday for Tuesday, so... When you hear this, that game already have happened. So they've got the Bucks on Monday, NBA TV. Wednesday, ESPN Celtics. Friday, ESPN Sixers. And the second half of that doubleheader on ESPN on Friday is Pelicans Warriors. Yikes. <laughs> so, so the league, we've talked about the ratings for a while, and the league thinking that Luca would be able to save them this week because they've got Pels Warriors on Friday. And who knows whenever the Pelicans are going to win again and nobody wants to watch the Warriors. Now they don't even have Luca. I no, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I I don't know what to say really about the idea that the the thought was that we would see Luca Doncic, who by the way, thirty points a game in year two. I mean, the list of guys who have done that. Never mind the assists, the rebounds, and the fact that the Mavs are winning. This guy has to be considered, if not the front runner, one of the front runners for MVP. And then boom. Injury happens, and who are the Mavs, as we've talked about, when there's no Luka Doncic? So there's, so, so there's that. But the the slate of games, Noah, um, I don't know that you could ask for two better matchups on Thursday night than Lakers and Bucks and Clippers Rockets. I think if you ask me right now for the two games that I would most want to see, I think they would be the the choice that I'd have. We're all hoping that the Bucks winning streak continues. And again, having listened to this on Tuesday when it comes out, or maybe even on Wednesday, that game would have happened already. So we hope that the winning streak is at 19 games because they've got the Mavs on Monday. So they'd be 25 and three. Lakers would be 25 and three, and they would have won eight straight. And on Monday, they're, or on Tuesday, they're playing the Pacers. So the hope is that Anthony Davis, that he's okay, and that he ends up playing on Thursday against the Bucs, and that LeBron is healthy, and Giannis is all good to go. And this is that December measuring stick game, because despite the Bucks winning streak, as historic as it is for that franchise, the question is, well, can they do it in the playoffs? And it's not making front-page headlines, if those still exist, front-page headlines <laughs> every day now, because of who they've played. And sure, yes, you can only beat who's in front of you and you can only dominate all these teams, but there's no Eric Bledsoe. And now the question will be, okay, well, what will this Bucks team do in the playoffs since last year there seemed to be some sort of a semblance of a blueprint on how to slow down Giannis, and now he's getting LeBron and Anthony Davis. This is the matchup that we all want to see, and this is the matchup that, ratings-wise, the NBA needs in a desperate way. This is the devil's advocate view, but they've been successful in part because they've been able to play so many guys and have so many guys as contributors to what they're trying to do. And that depth is going to help you during the regular season, but you get into a critical game three, um, you know, on the road 
how does it happen then when your when your rotation is a little bit tighter and 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 everything changes? I think that the Bucks. That's why this test is is so important for them. And there's going to be games throughout the year in which we'll be able to see this. But who is it that steps up for for Milwaukee in a playoff series? And there's no more Malcolm Brogdon. He's doing his thing in in Indiana. And so now, who are the guys come playoff time? We figure Chris Middleton will be there, but is it going to be Wes Matthews? Is it going to be DiVincenzo? Is it going to be, you know, you mentioned Bledsoe not playing, but George Hill, who are the guys, Pat Connaughton, who are the guys for this Bucks team other than Giannis that are going to have to play significant roles and who's going to play well if the Bucks are going to be successful in the playoffs and against the Lakers, quite honestly. Right, but as we look at the regular season, I would just hope that the Bucs treat this game as if it is a playoff game, a must-win situation for the Bucs to be able to put their stamp on, okay, now we are we are for real. Because there's nobody questioning, all right, well, what are the Lakers going to do in the playoffs? But right. it, it, is reasonable, it is reasonable to ask, what are the Bucs going to do in the playoffs? So I'm hoping that they take this situation, this game on Thursday night, like it's a playoff game. And also... Same for Houston and the Clippers. So you're going to get Kawhi and PG against, hopefully, Russ and James Harden. So if 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 PG and Kawhi can't keep Harden under 40 and win the game, then nobody can. And that this is a game, and I've said I'd much rather watch the highlights of Harden than watch a full game. I'll watch. I'll watch the full game. Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna watch that. I mean, what they can do to you defensively, the Clippers, and we haven't even had a chance to fully see it. You know that Doc is is in a different mode. When we just talked about with the Bucks, they're gonna try to win as many games as they possibly can during the regular season. They've got this deep rotation. But on the Clippers side, it's about making sure that their elite players are healthy come playoff time and that they are also geared up and ready to play their best basketball come playoff time. But that being said, this matchup means something, and they understand that. Can you imagine what the league would do, by the way, if we saw just everyone decides to go load management on Thursday night? Stop it. Well, it won't I mean, happen. No, there, 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 there's no way. There is no way that's going on, going on to happen. But, but um, you know, as we record this on Monday, uh, Paul George has played 17 games this season. and. It's important that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are on the floor together because what they can do to you defensively, the Clippers, throwing Beverly on the floor, throwing Paul George on the floor, throwing Kawhi Leonard at you, like, it, you're right. What they're going to be able to do to James Harden is different from what the rest of the league is going to be able to do because there's guys that can guard him one-on-one. Now, maybe you can't guard him one-on-one for the entire duration of the game, but that makes it even more dangerous. I mean, just imagine you got Kawhi Leonard for a quarter. You've got... Paul George for a stretch. You've got Patrick Beverly in spurts. Like that's going to be very difficult for Harden over the course of a series if these guys were to meet up in the playoffs, for instance. All right. So from the outside, it's oftentimes considered that the NBA starts on Christmas Day. But this year, I think the league needs a little bit of momentum on the national attention side, on the television side. And you can go back and listen to our podcast where we talked about the TV ratings and debunked, I think, some of those myths and and put it in a fairly intelligent fashion about why the NBA is still the overall health of the league is still really strong despite TV ratings being down. And we laid out the reasons why it's a confluence of events that have led to the decline in TV ratings. But this week, Adam, could be that momentum shift that they need on Thursday night. Thursday night. The rest of the week, yikes. Luca, 
killing the league. Helped the league and then killed the league. Grand opening, grand closing. But on Thursday, they need it. The Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Rockets. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. You can take a screenshot, and I've already seen David Locke responding to a ton of these, and tag us at Locked On Live, and then you can use our Twitter accounts, at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V, or at Naismith Lives. I'm not so sure we've been on the air long enough since we started in October to get into that top five for the podcast for the year, but if we did, God bless you. So tag us on Twitter, use at Locked On Live in our Twitter accounts, or any of the other shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, and then we'll share and retweet. Coming up next, we'll reject the screen on Bronny James versus Steph Curry. We know the title of the podcast is Rejecting the Screen. Segment two, always the Rejecting the Screen segment where Look, a lot of things we do is we try to be prescient with things, get ahead of headlines so that we can just go back and say, yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. Thanks for finally joining the party. <laughs> but in this but in this case, so LeBron James' son, Bronny, was on ESPN3. And it's funny, the you'll hear from detractors, oh, national TV attention for high school kids when it's ESPN3. But if it, like an NBA game was on ESPN3, like wait wait a second why is that's not even that's nothing <laughs> so so what is it so it's so, so what is it so what is it so they're on espn3 and they've got a ton of national televised games and i've actually called a bunch of sierra canyon games for cbs sports network over the past few years at this big high school tournament in january that we'll get into later on in the podcast and lebron's there watching his son and i watched the end of the game and they won 59 56 my mind went to the how Steph Curry has not been universally respected by his NBA peers. And this isn't just coming from me. There, you know, players have talked about it behind closed doors. Even Andre Godala last year at the finals said, I've never seen such a good person get backlash from his peers because they're so jealous of him and what he has. And Steph hasn't been universally res- respected at him around the league because of he was born in Akron. To an NBA family with Del Curry, but he's not a quote unquote kid from Akron like LeBron is. And every NBA player has his story. And yes, there are more NBA players who grew up like LeBron in a broken household, sleeping on couches, not always knowing where your next meal came from than Steph Curry. That's just a fact. So I'm interested to see if Bronny James, if, huge if, since he's just 15 years old, so freshman in high school, if he gets to the league, how will he be viewed by his peers? Because nobody will have been brought up the way in the NBA like Bronny James has. This is a fascinating case study in, I think, where we're at as a culture right now. I think that the social media era is is in full swing, clearly. And I think the way that athletes are branded now and how they're sort of appreciated as celebrities has changed over the course of time since we saw Steph Curry uh, make his mark. Now, granted, there's no question that Bronny James is going to be playing for an elite top level uh, D1 school, assuming that the 
the one and done rule is still in in effect. And obviously, we we may not even see him in college at all, uh, based upon how things may be by the time he's he's done. I know <clears throat> we may see some rule changes there, but but the truth of the matter is that when Steph was coming up, here's a kid that grew up in North Carolina. His dad's Del Curry, and he was always thought of as this NBA guy's son. And I to agree with what you're saying, even as his dominant career played out, and he was the underdog in college. He was the ultimate David versus Goliath. Certainly his sophomore year in the NCAA tournament and then what he did his junior year. I mean, he, what was remarkable, what Steph was doing. And still, I don't think has ever been appreciated. And then early on, and it's not just me. I mean, we both obviously are in agreement here. Early on in his career, battling the ankle injuries, people never really believed in Steph. And even still, as you point out, to this day, I mean, I have arguments with people who say that, oh, well, he couldn't touch Allen Iverson. Steph Curry is not an all-time great. He's a really good shooter, but that's about it. The game has been catered to him and his style of play. He has never been appreciated on the level that some of the game's all-time greats have. And you're right. It's because of this idea that it looked like his life was easy and that he didn't have to earn it. And I just think it's different now. I watch my teenage daughters and the way that they consume YouTube stars and TikTok stars. And we looked at them, Noah, as celebrities like that that hadn't accomplished anything as like sellouts or, you know, it, what have they done? What have they done to earn this? And instead, it's now being looked at. And I know it's a generational change and it doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but everything has flipped to now. There is this idea that celebrity, which is, I think, what this is really about, the idea that celebrity is viewed differently by by the youth and by fans of today than it was just when Steph was coming up, which was his draft was 2009. So I, I think it's just wild to to view the whole uh, the whole situation. And, and it's the prism that you use to view it because Bronny James guys want to see now these guys who now have their brands and their Instagram pages that have thousands and thousands of, of, uh, of followers. It's different than it was when, when Steph was coming up, even though he had a bunch of fans, I don't think he had as much support from a com- basketball fan community. Yeah, and, and stop this madness. As we're talking about this right now, as we record this on Monday, Rick Kamla, who I've known for years, now a host on Sirius XM NBA Radio, tweeted out a poll as he's on the air. Is LeBron's son, is Bronny Jr., is, all, is this too much media attention? Well, as we've heard from Brian Windhorst, and if you've been following this story at all, all the cameras around the kids every day are uninterrupted, and which his father started LeBron started and and then also the Dwayne Wade's media company so all those cameras that you see around them all the time that's that that's not like TMZ and CNN it's uninterrupted and I agree like if you're gonna if someone's gonna profit off it or control it might as well be the parents sure sure and their parents just happen to own media companies and happen to be two of the greatest players of all time so as Bronny is a freshman at Sierra Canyon and Dwayne Wade's son is on that team also, this isn't too much media attention, especially when you go back, and I've tweeted this multiple times, I've talked about it on the radio, when you go back and, and SportsCenter tweeted it out not too, um, 
tweeted out the the game or some highlights of the LeBron Carmelo game since it was whatever 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 that was. It was like 15 years ago or, or 16 years ago to the day or 17 years ago to the day that they were playing that other game. I've gone back and watched that that open. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing that that was Dan Shulman, Dick Vitale, Bill Walton, mm-hmm. and Jay Billis, I think. I think Billis was there. There was nothing. You're talking about hype. Nothing compares to what LeBron was facing. Nothing. That open included it was all one or two shots of, and then their names are flashing up at the screen. Larry, Magic, Oscar, <laughs> Kareem, Jordan. All the greats are known by one name. And now here's LeBron. So, look, no matter how much attention they're getting, it will not reach the hype. And it might feel like it's more just because there are more outlets now and it's because it's social media. But if you're going to gauge hype, stop it. Stop it. One, the kids are freshmen. But two, nothing is more hype than LeBron was. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. You're absolutely right, Noah. And, you know, it's interesting. So Jeremy Treatman put together this Sierra Canyon uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary game uh, that that uh, that you talk about in which, you know, Bronny gets the steal and the game-winning layup and all that stuff. And Jeremy Treatman had also put together the game in which St. Vincent, St. Mary came to Philadelphia to play Maurice Rice, who was the star at Strawberry Mansion and the city's all-time leading scorer and all that stuff. Yeah. He ended up playing at George Washington and good college player, but uh, more than anything, was just super hyped as a as a publicly guy in in Philly, and you know I'm at that game in in Philadelphia, and there was a buzz around the city. It was a big deal to be at that game in the city, and it meant something. And and by the way, there was the the LeBron thing was organic in the sense that it wasn't about a machine trying to hype him up. He was the first sophomore ever to be named first team all-american by parade magazine he was um you know usa today all-american he went between his sophomore and junior years i had the chance to interview him at at abcd camp in teaneck new jersey and at that point in time he had a game-winning shot people talk about the game against lenny cook he's a rising junior lebron is and hits this game winner in this battle back and forth between him and lenny cook and all these kids at the camp there was something about LeBron that was like magnetic that they were all drawn to. And I remember all these other top 200 kids, Anthony Roberson, guys like that at the time, running out to the court to celebrate in LeBron's big win and and this huge moment. And it was all about his play that had just drawn people in. It wasn't like he was playing at some basketball factory. He was playing at St. Vincent, St. Mary, which now obviously has had success since that point. But his whole time in high school was all about this guy is just a prodigy. And so people all of a sudden were drawn to it and the style of play, the way he passed the basketball, all that. So that by the time it reached his senior year and he had done the sports illustrated cover and all that kind of stuff, there was just this hype machine. We're never going to see anything like it again, because regardless of the eyeballs or the media coverage or the impressions that was organic. It was about what he had done and he hadn't been tooting his own horn. It hadn't been uninterrupted following him because he was someone else's son. It was all because he was just the next great. And if you were around him, just even in person, you could see there was just something special about this kid. Well, he did have chosen one tattooed on himself. He, 
listen, he helped to push the hype machine forward. Sure. I'm not I'm not going to deny that at all. I remember though being at a, a tournament slam dunk to the beach in Lewis, Delaware, and and I've talked about this before that he he's like walking down the hallway and like everyone just stops and looks at him. And I remember guys turning to me and saying like, "Can you imagine everywhere you go, all eyeballs are on you?" And he has this thing that certain guys no, you've been around enough superstar athletes to know. It's like certain guys just sort of walk and carry themselves like like royalty. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something different. Being around, if you've ever been around Jerry Rice, it's sort of the same thing. It's just this idea, Michael Jordan. Like when you're around those people, it, they just feel different. It, it, there's just something else about them. And you cannot take your eyes off of them. And And to have LeBron go through that, and I remember him being sort of insecure about it, you know, at first. And he grew into that. And I think a lot of that at the time, certainly, you know, the, um, you know, what he was driving, what he was wearing, everyone cared about. And he fed into it, of course. He was a kid. But I, but it was also about he was this player on the court that you just had to, you had to watch. There was just something different about LeBron James. And I, that part, I don't know that we'll get again. And I saw Kobe in high school. I saw Dwight Howard in high school, Carmelo. All those guys were awesome high school players and a lot of people wanted to be around them and were curious about what they were doing. But the LeBron hype machine was just that mm-hmm. it was just different. It was just different. All right. If you're looking for a last minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breaking slash locked on breaking T makes sports t-shirts around teams, passion moments. Great for all fans. So just go to breaking slash locked on, and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Breaking slash locked on. Coming up next, Open Gym, we'll roll it out. I already told you what we're pumped about, Thursday night's doubleheader. Adam will get you into some college action with the NBA draft prospects. But also, Sierra Canyon a few years ago, and Marvin Bagley had a front row seat for it. Details coming up next. All right, so an Open Gym. I already told you that we're hyped about for Bucks and Lakers on Thursday night. That's a TNT doubleheader followed by Rockets Clippers to try to make up for not having Luka this week on national TV against the Bucks and the Celtics and the Sixers and then having Pell's Warriors also on Friday. But a few years ago, so this would be my ninth year coming up Martin Luther King Martin Luther King weekend calling the Bass Pro Shops Tournament of Champions on CBS Sports Network. I, I suggest going to DVRs and, and watching it and recording it. It's some of the best high school basketball teams in the country and they play in Springfield, Missouri. So so guys going all the way back to Lamar Odom, and, and there have been you know 50-plus pros, but the times that I've been there, Ben Simmons, D'Angelo Russell, Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, Malik Monk, so many. And a few years ago, Marvin Bagley was there with Sierra Canyon. And Sierra Canyon kind of came out of nowhere. And their head coach at the time, who's now their athletic director, Ty Nichols, he was pretty open about saying that yeah, Michael Feinberg's father, Michael Feinberg was a player on his team, who, who's now playing at Yale, his father had been is in finance and had been funding a bunch of AAU programs or a few AAU programs for all these guys. Mm-hmm. And then decided, all right, well, why, how about they all play together in high school? So he put all the money into the high school program. So I remember that year in 2016, they ended up losing in the championship game at the buzzer to Oak Hill and Steve Smith's legendary team. They had Remy Martin, who you're very familiar with at Arizona State, Cody Riley, also UCLA, another Pac-12 guy. Uh, Deverell Ramsey, who started at Nevada, then is now at um, UC Santa Barbara. Adam Seiko, who's at San Diego State. And Terrence McBride, 
who's at Cornell. So they're, they're rolling out this team, and Marvin Bagley's sitting on the bench, and he's traveling with the team and his family just in case he got eligible. And I remember thinking, come on. <laughs> so, like, he's been tra- he's been missing school, traveling with his team, just in case all of a sudden the the California Classic Federation says, uh, you know what? Yeah, he's good. He, he can he can play. I found that I found that a bit off. He played the next year. Well, I think it was that sixteen team that beat Tatum, that beat Jason Tatum. I mm. think, I think, or maybe it was the seventeen team, but I think it was the sixteen team that beat Jason Tatum. And then he played the next year, and in the championship game had 18, 12, and four blocks, and they beat Memphis East and their head coach, Penny Hardaway. So this isn't like this isn't brand new. This isn't just like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade just built this school. This is this has been a few years in the making. But yes, the transfer rate, and you know all about this, the transfer rate in high school sports, it's it's out of hand. It's like over 50% with some of these, um, with some of the, the high level players, but also they're just, there are not enough resources to try to get a handle on. Is it all kosher? The Sierra Canyon thing. It's funny. You say it's not brand new, but it, it is relatively in the sense that Sierra Canyon really hasn't been around that long as a basketball powerhouse. And the Yahoo article came out this week and talked about how Wade and and LeBron sort of got together, like decided now. And now it's become like the hotbed for, you know, all guys that have had, you know, NBA players now whose whose kids or or relatives um, are elite basketball players. Derek Fisher's nephew, I want to say. Right. Um came in and played for Sierra Canyon there have been there have been a handful of them but what's what's really interesting for me is that we saw the AAU generation sort of come up and people were ripping apart the AAU generation for you know things would happen on the high school teams and they'd be well coached and all this and then and then the stereotypical response was you know, the, the stereotype of AAU basketball was it was up and down. There's no coaching. There's no instruction. But AAU was the opportunity for you to get exposure for colleges and for, you know, guys going to the next level. And now what's interesting is that things have now changed to where high school basketball has become a huge deal because there's marketing opportunities, there's media opportunities, the YouTube generation. Now we see what's out there on Twitter. You see all the mixtapes. And so a lot of that now is coming from high school programs and guys wanting to play together. Now, look, that's, that's not a new phenomenon. When you and I were in high school, no, obviously there were guys that wanted to play, you know, at the elite programs we see up in the Washington area, Rainier beach, for instance, brings in tons of kids from out of town or Garfield, like, there's different cities across the country in which guys come to. DeMatha uh, always had a, a large collection of great players and obviously Oak Hill. But now with the hype machine and everything we talked about early in the earlier segment, that it's gotten so big, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this idea that these guys want to find ways to play together with some of the elite talent in the country and form these super teams and also get better in practice every day. It was looked at before that if you played your high school time, that's not really where the recruiting is going on. And it's also not where, you know, you're going to get better playing against high school players. But now when you go and join some of these elite 
programs and these guys join together, the practices that are talked about at Sierra Canyon are just off the charts. Like it's insane just how intense these practices are apparently getting and the kids are getting better in a weird way between AAU and what's happening with high school basketball. It's essentially the United States way of coming up with feeder programs that are helping out our professional sports, where in some of the European countries, they just go to school for that. Here, we find ways to sort of mask it and pretend they're going to school. And I think that's the biggest joke of all, that a lot of this stuff is just such a sham that there's no education for a lot of these kids. We're just pretending that there is one. And that's why we're different than, you know, the clubs that like happens in in Europe. Right, where they've got the academies in Europe and everything is seemingly regulated. But I don't think... Like the NBA doesn't want to be dipping its toe into this and trying to regulate high school basketball. That that would just be spreading your resources too thin. I think that's just I think that ends up being too much control. And whether something needs to be done about it or not, I don't know. But it's 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 wild. And on the high school level, a lot of these teams, like Oak Hill today, as we record this on Monday, they just they just landed in Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> and a lot of these teams, a lot of the best teams in the country will play more games in their high school season than any of these kids will freshman year in college. I mean, Oak Hill will play a lot of, a bunch of these teams will play 50, 60, 70 games in yeah. high school. That's yeah. closer. And then they're going to college and they're playing 30 games or 32 games. And then some of them will go to the NBA and then play 80 and then play 82 games. It's it's all I mean it's it's all over the place and you can tell that like there isn't one governing body. It's just like well and it, you know there's an argument to be made and a pretty good one that for college basketball and for college football to have a a governing body, not the NCAA but a governing body. And but there isn't a, a singular governing body for high school sports either because it's all up to all the states. Also, right, right, and the, and there's no and the interesting part that you just mentioned is that there's no judgment here. We're not saying that, that we think that necessarily what's happening here needs to be dealt with that that may may be the case there might be stuff here that needs to be to be looked at or what have you and obviously you got opposing coaches that have issue i mean this is just where the game is right now and it's how things have evolved and i think one takeaway from all this is that when you talk to college coaches and i don't care what the school is i don't care if it's uc irvine i don't care if it's hampton i don't care who it is at the end of the day, every kid on that roster playing college basketball thinks they're going to the NBA. And that is something that has largely changed from 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right, real quick on that, Mark Emmert, I remember him telling me like three or four years ago that in Division Three, it's over 50% of Division Three players think they're going to be professional basketball players. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Now, speaking of the NBA, uh, something I am pumped about is Saturday's matchup between legit NBA draft prospects, not necessarily guys that say they want to play in the NBA. I, I almost uh, declared for the draft while I was at Ithaca College myself um, as wait as a guy that wasn't even playing on on the team at the time I, just to I see said, if like you know, your name could I just land wanted somewhere. to see what yeah I just wanted to get a letter back from the league saying that they had received it and at that time the process was all different you just had to to apply and tell the league that you were declaring I didn't want to give up my eligibility though no you understand how that is um Obi Toppin 
and Tyler Bay. So Obi Toppin from from Dayton, who has really just emerged over the last like year and a half. He's a guy who um, basically had to redshirt because of uh, academic issues. But at Dayton, six nine, extremely athletic, long. NBA scouts love this kid. He is a a lottery pick for sure, potential top five pick. Going up against Tyler Bay of Colorado, who also has tremendous length and is a double-double machine at at the college level. So seeing those two match up on Saturday, December 21st, is going to be uh, a whole lot of fun, I think, for for NBA people. And, you know, it's, it's like I say every week pretty much. It's different when you're playing in league play or what you've done. Um, you know, even in the non-conference, when you're playing against competition that's not NBA competition, but when you when NBA scouts get a chance to see two NBA guys go head to head, it is a great barometer for them, and and so it'll be it'll be fascinating to check those guys out and see which one's stock rises. And um, you know, I'm I'm really curious to see how Toppin does against Bay's length. All right, he's Adam Stenko. You can find him on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C O S L O V. Subscribe, download, rate, review. If you want us to get any certain guests on on the Thursday going ISO this week, it's former Stanford star, NBA player, legend in Germany, a five time champion over there, Casey Jacobson, sat down with us for an hour plus. Just leave it in the comments and reviews on iTunes. So click five stars and then leave a review. And the review could just be, yeah, you guys are awesome, this, that. Sure, we'd appreciate that. But just let us know what guest you'd like us to try to figure out how to get on. And also just share. If you think anything that we said is interesting, just share the podcast. Get the word out. Adam, thanks, pal. You're the best.